Hey, everybody. So good to be joining you here again at Crossroads. My name is Tom, and I'm the lead pastor here. And, and I just I consider it such a privilege and such an honor um, to be part of your weekend. Wherever you're at, however you're joining us, thank you for, for taking the time to do so. I'm going to get us started today with a couple of pictures. Now, these are two pictures of the same address. Very, very different, but two pictures of the same address. This is 17 West 34th Street in Manhattan. Got that? For those of you familiar with the city, you will know immediately what that address is. Lots of cars, hustle bustle, obviously pre-pandemic. This is the same address. Very, very different perspective. That is the 86th floor of the Empire State Building. You can see the Hudson River. You can see a little bit of the East River. You can see the Freedom Tower all the way down at the south end of the island. When we zoom out and we look at things from that big picture perspective, things change, right? The details and the minutia is important, but it is also super, super important for us to every once in a while take a step back and look at the overall big picture. This is what the CEO of Entrepreneur Magazine had to say about big picture perspective. When you take time to look at the big picture, it can cause a shift in perspective, modify your judgment, and ultimately change your focus and activity. Getting a big picture perspective tends to reinforce the things that are important. It serves to reinforce the real reason for everything that we do. Again, that was the, the CEO of Entrepreneur Magazine. So this whole series is Disrupted by Love Series. The idea is that we would take that, we would zoom that lens out, and we're looking at the the gospel accounts of the Christmas narratives at a, at a high level, at a big picture, and we are learning things about biblical love, like Leanne brought to us two weeks ago, and we're learning about God's faithfulness to his promises. When we look at that blown-out narrative, we see more things, and it changes how we should act and behave. It disrupts us with love. And when I look at... Uh, the gospel accounts, the gospel kind of Christmas narratives that we typically tend to think of are found in Luke's, Luke chapters 1 and 2 and in Matthew chapters 1 and 2. And when, one of the things when you zoom out of those passages that jump out to me is the array of people that are involved, the diversity of people that are involved. Let's, let's check this out for a minute. First of all, we have the young, right? There is Mary, the mother of Jesus, she is somewhere between 14 and 17 years old. Then we have the old. There's Elizabeth and Zechariah. And Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist, who gives birth to him when she's 80-plus years old. We have everyday people. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, was um, a craftsman of some sort. He was either a carpenter. Some people think it's probably more likely that he was like a, a, stone, a stone worker. And then there were the shepherds. These guys were just hardworking, um, manual labor guys. They, worked, they were outside. They worked with their hands. They worked with animals. Just everyday people doing their job when Jesus shows up and disrupted their lives with his love. And then there's the, um, the people from, actually, it just says different, but it's actually different faiths. The story of the, um, the magi, sometimes referred to as the wise men, sometimes referred to as three kings, uh, these men travel a great distance to come and to give gifts to the baby Jesus, to the Messiah, to this king that who is to be born. And these guys were priests from, I'm going to screw up this name, so I apologize, 
They were priests of another faith called Zoroastrianism. Oh, I almost got it. Zoroastrianism. And they were called by God to come and see Jesus. And then finally, this might seem odd, but even the religious people, right? The, the religious people are captured in the first accounts of Christmas. And I'm thinking about Zechariah the priest. That's John the Baptist's father, right? The angel appears to him and promises him that he's going to have a son in his old age and his son is going to do great things and prepare the way for the Messiah. But that the religious people, and this is sometimes where we get hung up, the religious people, they need to be disrupted by the love of Jesus as well. So as we look at all of this, we see um, the, the idea that all of these folks coming together, why, why would God find it necessary to include such an array of people? Why wouldn't it be just like Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, maybe the grandparents hanging out and just the, just the family? He's got all different kinds of people coming together as the God-made man is making his entrance into the world. And I think it's this. I think God is very intentional. The Bible is meticulously written. And I think it's this. God wants us to know that his love is available to all. That's why all those people are there. All those lives were disrupted by love when Jesus stepped out of eternity and into time and took on human flesh. We're all disrupted by God's love. God's love is available to all. And as Leanne um, talked to us a couple of weeks ago, there is this idea of um, we have a, a space in us that God created for him to reside in. It's actually the center of who we are. And that space is reserved for Jesus. And then there's this other space within the kingdom of God that's reserved for us. So without God, we're not complete. Without us, the kingdom of God is missing a key piece, right? So there's this idea that there's always another person that needs to be brought in there. And I jumped ahead a little bit on the slides, but scripture repeatedly points to that next person is um, uh, them, right? It's, it, it's pointing to the them. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's about somebody else and Jesus disrupting the life of somebody else with his love. And I want to just show you three different scripture passages. And each one of these is Jesus talking. This is Jesus after he rose from the dead and before he ascended into heaven. And he's talking to his disciples. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word nations in the original language is ethnos. And it just, it means different, um, just far from God. People who are different, people who are far from God. This one is Acts 1.8. This is, again, Jesus right before, he, right before he ascends. He's given directions to the disciples. Um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That word, ends of the earth, is eschatos. Eschatos. And that simply means the least, the lowest, the, the most unlikely. That's who Jesus is sending his disciples to go share his love that they would be witnesses to the power of Jesus to people who are considered the lowest. And then the last one, pretty famous verse some of you may be familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. 
that word world there is cosmos, and it means literally the entirety of humanity, all, everyone who inhabits the earth. People who are far away, the least of these, the different, everyone. Jesus, this is Jesus' words, God's love is available to all. Jesus went out of his way to communicate that to the men who he would entrust, to the women who he would entrust with the work of sharing his love after he had ascended back into heaven. And he wanted them to know that you got to go and this is for people who don't know me. This is for people who are far from me. So how do we go about, we have this awesome love of Jesus. How do we go about accessing this love that is so disruptive in such, in such a positive way. And if you have been around Crossroads for a little bit of time or even, um, you know, just a, even a short bit of time, you will hear me say, look up, lean in, reach out. You hear our leaders say, look up, lean in, reach out. You see it printed in different, um, different locations. And here's why. This is super important to us because this is how we do things. This is how we get things done. This is how we access the love of God. And in summary of the whole thing is this. We look up to Jesus for everything, for our salvation, for our identity, for our sustenance, for provision, for purpose. We lean into each other for support and comfort and challenge. And we reach out to the world around us. We reach out to those who are poor in spirit and poor in resources, just like Jesus reached out to, to us. And I want to break each one of these down for you. As, as we look at this idea of God's love being available to all. First and foremost, I would say this, that God's love <clears throat> is available to you. God's love is available to you. So please remember that as we, as we head into this. Um, we are thinking about God's... God had a plan, right? Before, before time began, he had a plan of salvation, he had a plan that would um, keep us, that would bring us back into relationship with, with him. And that plan is that, I'll, just, I'll put it up there. God's eternal plan of salvation tells us that the problem of our sin is not greater than our importance to him. Wrap, wrap your minds around that. We have this huge problem, right? We are separated from God our relationship with him is fractured, right? In our rebellion, we're born into humanity, which has this rebellious spirit, which um, we think we can be our own God. We think we know better than God. We think we're smarter than him. And that separates us from him. But in God's great love and in his wisdom, that distance, that problem is not greater than, the, than our importance to him. That is such a, it's a huge fact. Guys, get, please try and, try and get your, your minds around um, everything that, that that is. This huge chasm that we could never bridge on our own, God bridges for us so that we might be in relationship with him. And it's not, you know, it's not this deal where God was like, hey, no worries, all done, all taken care of. The solution to this problem that separated us from God was not easy. It was, you know, we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas. Christmas marks Jesus, this 
him stepping into, stepping out of eternity and stepping into humanity with all of its limitations, it marks the entry into a life of sacrifice that he took upon himself for you and for me. And I'm not saying that to, I'm not saying that to bring you down. I'm not saying that to, to, to guilt anybody. The problem between us and God was infinite in size. The debt that we owed was infinite in scope. The price that Jesus paid was infinite. It came at huge cost. That's how we know that the problem of our sin is not greater than our importance to Jesus. God's love is available to you. I don't care who other people tell you you are. I don't care what you think when you look in the mirror. I don't, I don't care how many raises and promotions you've gotten or how many jobs you've been fired from. God's love is for you. Somebody who is watching this right now needs to hear this. God's love is for you. So once, once we enter into this relationship with God by the grace of Jesus, by the infinite price that we paid, we are welcomed into the family of Christ. And we have this idea of, of leaning in. We, we come together. And we, if, if look up is God's love is available to me, God's love is available to you, lean in, God's love is available to us and we can, we can bring God's love to each other. And I just wanted to share with you um, just one, one really simple way that God just impressed on me recently. I've told you guys before that some of my like, most intense moments of connection with God, of worship, um, happen when I'm being active, running, working out, whatever. And this was just like a week and a half ago, two weeks. I was out for a run. And um, God just really like lovingly kind of, convicted me. I don't even know if conviction is the right word, right? But um, just impressed upon me the, the need for me to be grateful for the several people in my life who have spoke words of truth into my life about the Jesus that they see in me, about the gifts that they see in me. Coaches and youth leaders and, and pastors and mentors who have, who have taken the time to identify something that God put in me, that God created me to be, and they spoke it to me. And I didn't think that was just an encouragement to be, um, to me, to be grateful. I, I kind of feel like that was given to me for all of us. And so here's, here's what I would encourage you to do when we think about this love of God being for all, this love of God is available to us. Um, we can do an amazing thing for each other. And it starts with this. I want you to plead I want you to get down on your knees and I want you to ask God for his eyes and he would give you the ability to see other people the way he created them to be. Not how you think they are, not how you judge them, not even how they've demonstrated to be, but how Jesus created them to be and ask God for the ability to see that. And then, and then, when you have that perspective, that insight beyond your own into somebody else, you go to them and you tell them about the part of Jesus that you see in them. There is nothing more positively disruptive, nothing more life-altering than looking into someone with the eyes of Jesus and telling them 
that you see Jesus in them. The love of God is available to us. And the last part, reach out. Right? We look up and we invite Jesus into our lives. We lean in to our brothers and sisters and then we take this love that we have and we share it with each other. And then there's, it's so perfect and it's so overwhelming that we are compelled to go out into the world around us and share it with those who are poor in spirit and poor in resources. And I, I shared the, the, um, the details or the depth of Jesus' sacrifice earlier. And again, I said it wasn't to... Um, to guilt anybody, anything, it's, it's this, right? If, if, the pro- if our problem, if the separation between us and God um, was not uh, insurmountable to Jesus, then the separation that we perceive between us and other people is not insurmountable either because we have the love of Jesus in us. The, the problems that we perceive we have with other people are nothing compared to the love of God that is inside of us. That love compels us to go to those who are different, to go to those who are far away, to go to those who we may disagree with, to go to those who are on the other side of the aisle. God's love is so disruptive because it calls us to love our enemies. Maybe the single most identifying characteristic of Jesus was how he loved his enemies. And that's what we're supposed to do. These are Jesus's words captured in Matthew 5 verses 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus calls us to go to those people who we think aren't worth it, right? Yep, I said it. And I know each and every one of us has those thoughts. There are those people who don't deserve it, who shouldn't get a chance, who are beyond, who are beyond saving, who have done things that don't, like can't be, they just, they can't be redeemed. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that the love of God is available to them Right? In the kingdom of God, there's only, there's only us. And in this broken world that we live in, there's an us, and unfortunately, there's a them. But when the love of God works through us, them goes away, and they become us. When we start living and acting like Jesus taught us to, like he modeled, when we start loving our enemies as we reach out, We disrupt the world around us with the love of Jesus. So as I look at the accounts of the first Christmas, and I look at the different people who are involved and the intentionality of God, it just, it tells me that God's love is available to all. 
as we zoom out, as we think about that love working in and through us, it's going to impact me and you as individuals because God's love is available to us as individuals. It's going to affect us. God's love is available to us, and it's going to affect them. It's going to disrupt people's lives in Fairfield County and in Alabama and in North Carolina and in Indiana and in Kenya because God's love is available to all.